Every day I am getting one step closer to having another healthy baby. And Caraway Home is helping me do that. Their ceramic, naturally slick surface cookware allows you to cook with minimal butter. Uh, they're very easy to clean. Just a little warm water, you wipe it down. And the best part is, is that Caraway products are made without any toxic materials like BFASs, BTFEs, and a bunch of other things like I can't even pronounce. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, right now, visit Caraway wayhome.com slash TSFS to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive to my Sarah Fraser Show listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash TSFS or use code TSFS at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. It's time for you to see what all the fuss is about, read about their five-star reviews, and why so many TSFS fans buy Caraway Home. Order now. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon, alive. That's why Seed developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit C.com slash Spotify and use code Spotify 25 to get 25% off your first month. Mm-hmm. Hey. Uh, you better do the vocals right. to this. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. already everybody yeah, right paul wharton how's it going Yo, happy day to you it's good to see you again oh my god it's so good to see you my friend how's everything it's everything's going great all is well what did you think about seeing wyclef the other day oh you know it was funny um paul and i were both at fox 5 you were you were like live on yeah. fox and i was uh, working on this podcast from hell yeah. That'll be the death of me, this true crime podcast. But anyway, why is it more to come on that later? Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, we saw Wyclef, and I haven't seen him. The last time I saw him, I was working in radio, and he came to a radio station. And he was great then. I think he was good, right? Or did or were you kind of like, No, Man. you know, I've met him before with my friend Sidra. Sidra's a really good friend of his, my friend that I just came from today, Sidra. Yeah. So Sidra Smith, you all, is um, one of my closest friends. She is the identical twin sister of Tyler. Tasha Smith, and Tasha Smith plays Cookie's sister on Empire. Everyone's going to love this. She was also Angela in Why Did I Get Married, and she has a show on OWN, a scripted show called um, For Better or For Worse. Okay. So anyway, um, so I had met Wyclef many years ago. I mean, he was just super eccentric, and actually he was quite kind in 
sweet the other day. Yeah, I thought he was. I mean, he's always kind of... I feel like he's a little strange. Do you? Yeah. Like, maybe the fame... I mean, he's been famous for so long. Fuji days. Well, Remember those days? Is, that used to be well, so good. Well, see, and we've talked about this, because everything changes. Like, everything passes. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't Like, he even... was hugely famous. And the name Wyclef, of course, everybody still knows. But, like, he was performing at the Fillmore. Interesting thing, he had no entourage. No, not, did not he one. even have a handler? Yes, he must have had a handler that like at least brought him there, right? Like someone well, had to drive him there. Well, there were two SUVs right? in the parking lot. <laughs> no, I saw him get out of a yellow cab. No, it's good. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great if he got out of a lift? No, I saw two um, two suburbans in the parking lot that I think dropped him off, but he didn't come in with anyone, which was interesting. He was completely low key. I mean, honestly, like I when he got done, I said to someone at Fox, I go, did somebody ask him about? Does everyone remember when he ran for president of Haiti? But then, like, he allegedly had that Haiti Foundation and stole all the money Ooh. from the. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Am I the only that. one that remembers all the bad I stuff? Vaguely. Remember, remember, remember that? I'm always like, whatever happened with that? Because he's successful about Haiti, and I think yeah. he kind of still is. But now you mm-hmm. hear nothing after that whole charity thing. Yeah, not much, not and, much. I, and like, I, I don't even know if they tried to ask him about Lauren Hill, which I'm sure he's over talking about Lauren Hill. But um, well, I think he blocks himself off from a lot of that because, like, on the show, he wore his hood and sunglasses. So yeah, if, he's already got that layer up, right? right? So it's like, if I ever don't want you asking me some shit you know you shouldn't ask me, I'm wearing a hood and I'm wearing. Sunglasses, right? <laughs> Give up the Didn't that block that? <laughs> completely, completely. Yeah. He just to me is very much like um, a lot of celebrities. Don't you feel like? Have, have you met Ray J? I feel like Ray J. I the, have met Ray J. I feel yeah. like Ray J is the other person that definitely has this like persona that you're gonna stay. You're not gonna like. You're not gonna get beyond but he it. Kind of is pretty sweet though, actually. And I think that's part of his charm. He makes everybody feel like he's in love with them. I'm trying to think of who else has like a, a persona up. I don't know. I feel like lots of celebrities do, which I'm yeah. sure maybe you just get, like, burned or you get tired of, you know, I don't know, interacting yeah. with people, so you put up a layer, but anyhow. Okay. Well, yeah, he was cool, and actually, shout out to my girlfriend, Wanda Durant, the mother of NBA star when, Kevin yes, Durant. Get her on this podcast. She was on the show the other day. What's it was Kevin Bring Durant's... My Wanda to Work Day. What <laughs> is Kevin Durant still? Is he single? He is, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> really? I'm pretty sure he is, but, you know, he's getting over... Um, <laughs> An injury, so he's trying to make it back by the playoffs. So that was a big thing. He actually got injured um, when they were here playing the Wizards. I think on February twenty eighth. Oh, yeah. So okay, that's kind I'm... of a big thing for people that like sports. So I got the scoop from his mom. So if you guys want to see that interview mm-hmm. um, from the other day on Fox Five, it's fox5dc.com. Um, well, we have a million stories to yeah. talk about. We have to. I, I want to know your thoughts on this. But the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland um, is no longer. They're openly saying we do not hire smokers. If you're a smoker, you cannot get hired here. And I'm just wondering how that works. Isn't that open discrimination? Now, cannot get hired, or you cannot smoke between the time that your shift starts and your shift ends. I thought it was can't get hired, but well, did you read the article? Well, that could be the story. That could be the story. <laughs> I gotta go back and read no, it. No, no, that absolutely could be the story, but I feel... Now, let me tell you something. I've, You know, I'm from Cleveland. Yes. I've been in the Cleveland Clinic a lot. It's actually a beautiful place. I stay there a lot of times when I've, I've had sick relatives. Actually, my uncle died there not that long ago. Great uncle. God rest in peace. Bye, Mac. But anyway, <laughs> no, he was one. Shout out to Mac on the other Shout side. Shout out to Mac. <laughs> no, but I remember seeing people in their scrubs, and I'm sure we've all seen it outside yeah. of a doctor's office, outside of a hospital. Almost every hospital, I feel like. But yes, at the I don't like it. Too. You I don't, don't like it. No, I don't. And and I definitely don't want to. You know, so the smoke lingers. First of all. Do you know the 
but but don't you have smoker friends in your life like you can never tell? Like they actually yeah. really do like wash their hands and maybe they don't smoke like, you know, chain cigarette after chain cigarette. So you almost can't tell. Yeah. I'm I don't not, know. Yeah, I'm not hating on the smokers, but they're not healthcare professionals. And I think when people go in to a place like the hospital, okay, so it's a medical emergency or there's some need, mm-hmm. you know, they need to be there and they're, and they're wanting hope and all this. And then, you know, you walk in, and, you know, you smell like a, a fresh pack of Newports. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, shit. You're my medical Don't professional. You're smoking. Why shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, right. You know? <laughs> okay, we got to get into that story because okay. I want to. I feel like the theme of this podcast, although I don't really want to make it this, is like injustice and discrimination. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I also want to talk about the five white guys that are suing P. Diddy. I want to talk about this. For reverse discrimination. And a psychologist has stepped in to answer the question if reverse discrimination actually exists. Okay. Uh, the racehorse named Donald Trump that has to change its name. This is very sad. Oh my god. <laughs> to fake news? <laughs> to fake news. Oh my god. <laughs> I love it. And then I don't even know where to go. I feel like there's so many good stories. The moms who want to glue bows into their babies' heads and are getting a ton of backlash. What about Spicer, John Walsh, and Bill O'Reilly and their hatred for black women? Yes, and I want to talk about that. Do you believe Sean Spicer, Joe Walsh, and Bill O'Reilly in their uh, past tweets over the past week or so, um, are they showing their hatred for black women? Or Ooh. they, I know, I want to know all your thoughts on that. Or do they just that. hate everyone? Or do they hate everybody? No. Um, we have to say hi, and we have to talk about our newest sponsor who we're in love with. Oh, my God, the man with the needles. <laughs> Dr. And Paul the lasers. Ruff. And yes. the lasers. Dr. Paul Ruff, you already know, he's a huge fan, and we're a huge fan of his, so it's mutual. Uh, but Dr. Paul Ruff has an incredible med spa, and he is a licensed plastic surgeon. If you are thinking about getting Botox like Paul and I have or lip injections like I have, and I have to tell you they're completely pain-free, Dr. Ruff and West End Plastic Surgery is where you need to go. You can make an appointment, get a consultation by visiting West End plasticsurgery.com or you can call 202-785-4187 Dr. Paul Ruff comes completely recommended by Paul and myself we absolutely love him and we have tried it so we know go there and tell him that we sent you we love Dr. Paul Ruff we it's love him westendplasticsurgery.com so there you Except go don't mess up our appointments right <laughs> you'll never be something we call and they're like sorry Paul we're booked you're, you're what <laughs> we're booked honey you're what we're, we're booked honey you gotta call back next month God, foiled. Not only um, that, Mm -hmm. you have to remind me, um, at the end of this podcast, I've been dying to play this interview. I don't think you, you you weren't on um, as the full-time co-host at the time that we did this interview with my friend Truck. Truck is in her early 30s and has never had an orgasm. Okay. And so we have a sex expert on at the end of the show to discuss if you are in this position. Because I actually know a lot of women who have never had the big O. What makes someone a sex expert? They actually become a licensed sex therapist. It's a licensed, like, marriage counselor and expert in sexual relationships. How many and times you got to lay on your back to become a sex expert? <laughs> I mean, what is it? It's like how many times you... What, what do you have to do to do that? I think I might be in the running. <laughs> you, could, you could be qualified. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Can I get a check? I think you I think you could get a major check. Okay. Because this woman talks all about it. So we'll discuss that. Um, Paul and I have to thank you guys. We got so many great feedback, tweets and yeah. mentions and discussions. Anything stand out to you over the past couple of days? I'm just bringing up my Twitter because there were some really nice tweets. Um, well, didn't I offer to buy someone a plane ticket here? Because he was so... You did? <laughs> he was so cool. What? Is it Steve? What is his name? Let me look back on this. Um... Some of the people that we have to shout out because they were so sweet in saying, oh, my God, I love you guys. Joan Sparks, she was awesome. She's always awesome. 
Oh, yeah. Thomas Block. Thomas Block. Tom Block. Oh, my gosh. He lives in Richmond. So easy enough. You know what? You only have to get, like, a train ticket. Oh, okay. There you go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the twink that became the sugar daddy, huh? That's yeah. me again. <laughs> you are. Tom, you got a sugar daddy over here. Um, Joan Sparks at JMSpark86 on Twitter says, You and at Paul Wharton, you are the perfect pair for the podcast. I love how the podcast has evolved. It's amazing. I thought that was super sweet. So thank you guys so much for that. Keep them coming. You can always tweet at Paul Wharton and at Hey Frage. Hannah S. is also the one. She's the one that tweeted us um, initially that Paul, she thought that Paul overpowered me sometimes in the podcast. And we had a great discussion. And she says, Thank you, at Paul Wharton, at Hey Frage. All this talk about me makes me hashtag family. Mm. Paul, you did good. <laughs> Hope you had to pull over to read my tweet. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That was great. I love it. So anyway, thank you guys. Keep them hey, coming. Anna. What else has been going on in your world? Do you have anything you want to talk about before we talk about these stories? Well, what is going on in my world? Well, actually, you know, I told you the big thing was me finishing my book. Yes, okay, your so book the is... book is done. I am still working on pulling um, images and illustrations. I've got a girl doing illustrations for me. I got to show you some. It's like an illustration of me for every chapter. Oh my god, I love it. Do you love it? Yes. So that book is done, but I've been working on a memoir. Okay. This is amazing. Okay. I've been working on that because when this book is done, I have a great relationship with my publisher, and I figured as soon as this book is out and I sell some good copies, I want to go back to them for another advance. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, because I can't be like the Carrie Bradshaw of D.C. without like at least two books. <laughs> so the first is one. Is that the goal? Are you going to start like a column? You want to, like, write for the... You'd be so good. Why don't they hire you at the Post? Like, you would I don't be want the, to do that. I know. It's, it's, it's I, too much I don't work. walk a straight line. You know, just, <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> um, so, anyway, but I'm writing this memoir. Okay. It's so interesting going through. I'm writing down some of the experiences, and I had this, I had this flashback. What? It's probably not good. Um, <laughs> well, I was thinking about, and I actually <laughs> called my friend. Um, do you know the... the the um, House Grey Gardens. House Grey Gardens. Why do I? I feel you know, like Grey I know Gardens. This, but why okay, am I? so it's in the Hamptons, and they made a um, movie about it, um, a documentary film back in the seventies, and then they made an HBO film. Okay. With Jessica Lange and Drew Barrymore as Big and Little Edie. Okay. Yes. Do you yes, remember yes. this? Okay. Okay. So, friends of mine um, bought that house. Well, I'm actually friends with their son. So oh the, God, the parents, Ben Bradley, who just passed away, he, uh, the Washington Post, Ben Bradley, oh, and sure. his wife, Sally Quinn, so they bought the house anyway. So my friend, uh, Perry, married their son, Quinn. Got so it. So when I moved to New York back in, um, the last time I moved there for the relationship that fell apart before I unpacked my glasses, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Perry was up there and I was living in the city and so she invited me up to Grey Gardens to, you know, stay the weekend. So I get to Grey Gardens in preparation for this wonderful weekend, and I have not told this story yet. Wow. I have not told this story even to my own mother. This and is I'm an gonna, exclusive? This is an exclusive. I'm going to give you some, but I want you to be able to read some in the book. Okay. I just want to back up really quickly, okay? I want to back up to me being a 13-year-old Paul Wharton. Okay. And I was going to the bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and b'nai mitzvahs <laughs> of all my friends. Yeah. Okay? So I was at a b'nai mitzvah, which is twins. Oh, b'nai mitzvah? I don't think I've ever heard that. So it's Eric and Michelle. They're twins. And I was their only black friend. Okay. So we had our table of friends. It was Chris, uh, Chris, Terry, Eric, and Paul. So they had a group called Tech. And then when I came to the group, they called it Tech Book. 
So I should have known there was a. I should have known there was a problem putting the brother in on the P. They couldn't have called it pecked. <laughs> they put you in on the They said tech-pa. 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 Okay. Well, I was just happy to be there. All okay. Right. So fast forward, we're, we're at the um, B'nai Mitzvah, and um, the parents called all of the kids up by name. They're, they're good friends, and they okay. went up on, like, the stage. <clears throat> and I was the only one left at the table. They didn't. They didn't call me up. Okay. So I was sitting there at the table, and of course that made me remember there was always something about going to their house. Now, they could remember this differently. My experience is the other kids were allowed in their house, and for some reason, I was not. <gasps> what? No, they didn't. They didn't. Wait, at first I thought maybe this was because you weren't Jewish. No, the other kids were like they, were white and not Jewish. Okay, okay, so this this might have been because you were black. Yeah, um, I... My experience says yes. Okay. However, I was too embarrassed to tell my parents because I knew it was wrong. <gasps> I knew it was wrong. But wait a second, wait a second. What would the mom say? Would the mom deliberately, all the, the kids were would, coming in, and she'd be like, Paul, let's just wait outside? No, the mom would tell them. I never really spoke to the mom. So the, so the kids would come out and go, hey, Paul. No, they would just run in real fast when I was there. Then they would all come back outside. But I just was never asked to go inside. Weird. Yeah, okay. it was really oh my weird. God. So I was invited to their B'nai Mitzvah. I was sitting at the table. This may not be their experience. I talked about this in the Metro Weekly when I did the cover story in 2010. And, I did tell the story. And did you hear from them? I did. And what did they say? That, that was wrong? Like, huh? What? Huh? I'm like, okay, it's my experience. But at the B'nai Mitzvah, they didn't call me up on stage. At that moment of me feeling that embarrassed, I look back. Uh-huh. I look back at the door, and my father... The one man who I would never want to see me in that position of being left out in that way was standing in the doorway with his hands in his pocket, just looking like, oh, shit. Like, you know, like, so I got up. I remember, you know, I left. It was time for them to pick us up anyway. I left. We were silent most of the way home. And then he was like, okay, you know that happens, right? You know this. So you get it? Like, you know, that they think you're different. And you, you know, they don't feel like you're the same as them or as good as them. And so we had, like, one of those rough parent-son conversations. Oh, my God, Paul, that's, like, heartbreaking. Fast forward to a man found his confidence living in a penthouse apartment on 53rd Street. That's right, bitches, I made it. (laughs) Fuck you all. Yeah, fuck everybody. Fuck everyone. I had a tandem space in the garage with two spaces. I just thought I was the shit. Yes. So I go to Grey Gardens where I've been invited. Of course, my friends have this fabulous house in the Hamptons. And when I arrived at Grey Gardens, I won't tell you the full story, but I'll just tell you, when I arrived at Grey Gardens, I was not allowed to step foot (gasps) in the house. What? So the kids invited me. Okay, wait a minute. What age was Grey Gardens? This is like in your 20s. No, no, my 30s. This was like in 2013. (laughs) This is two years ago? What? Yeah. So you 2014. Okay, I'm following you. I'm 2013. I, this is like yeah. I cannot believe this. Yeah. yeah. So you go to Grey Gardens with I go your to Grey friend? Gardens invited by my friends who is married to the son. Okay, who are also in their 30s. Actually, she yeah, she, all of us are in our 30s. And to stay the night, to stay the weekend. And when I got there, I wasn't allowed in the house. <gasps> And I'm going to, I'll tell you more later, but I wasn't allowed in the house. So I've never even told my mother that story because I had a 
PTSD from that B'nai Mitzvah. I really did. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did... Okay, this is Ben Bradley's son, who is gay. Who, no, he's not gay. Oh, he's not? No, oh. he... <laughs> oh, oh, we don't change up every... No, Quinn's not gay. Quinn was married to my friend Perry, who's a woman. Okay, so you go up there to see Perry, right? Yeah, and Quinn and, and Sally was there. And then they get there, but you get there, and they will not let you in the house. Mm-hmm. Wait, so I, I don't even get this. Like, how does it... What did they say? Oh, hey, wait out in the car. We'll bring No, out- there was all this confusion, all this commotion, and Perry comes running out crying. And I just told her earlier, I texted her, and I said, look, I just want to let you know that I am writing this memoir, and <laughs> this memory came up, and I'm going to share it. I said, I've never shared it with so, even my mother because— At Grey Gardens, you go, you're thinking you're going to spend the weekend. I go in a convertible drop top. I cruise all the way out to the Hamptons. I've got my overnight bag. I look like a million bucks, and I roll up to the door, and they're not even like a service entrance to the rear. They're like, don't even fucking come in this house. So, and then Perry comes running out to apologize to you. Perry comes out. She's crying. She's like, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, you... Uh, uh. No, wait. Do you just think that maybe they just didn't want any guests and that Perry really shouldn't have been inviting people and that was basically why they were turning you away? Perry's text back to me, good. Make sure you recount that I was incensed to the point that I took three Xanax and then two margaritas with you. I called my therapist and she said that I was so worked up into a panic so the drugs did not work. I left the Hamptons after that, went home early. It tore my heart apart. Please include that state I was in when I saw you, devastated and distraught. What? We we had two extra bedrooms upstairs and the plan was to have you crash there. And then she went on to say something personal about something, something else. In fact, so wait, there were it... no guests at all that night. Okay. So no guests at all. But maybe, so maybe, I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here for this family. Listen, Sarah, it was, uh, honey, sweetie. Uh, sweetie, honey, Because I just didn't honey. know that, that Bren, Ben Bradley and Sally Quinn, uh, you know, discriminated against I, certain people, I guess. I, I'm I, in shock. I, did, I thought they ran an, a very open publication. I guess we'll see. One hell of a book. Oh my God! Is everybody with me? This is crazy. I guess we'll see. Holy shit! That was my experience. And Sally did write me an email. And to be honest with you, I never responded to it because I thought she was full of shit. I mean, and I respect this woman as a DC icon and all of that. But I came to her house as a guest. She did not allow me in her house. Wow! And she did not even come out. And have the decency to tell me that I was not allowed as a guest. So she changed her mind, basically. She this changed, is going to be she changed one her mind. hell of I a went downloaded podcast. I went to lunch with Perry. Yeah. And then uh, I drove my ass back to the city, back to my penthouse apartment. And I went upstairs and had a glass of champagne. <laughs> this is the craziest. And I've kept it. And I've kept it because I was... You know there's something that's too embarrassing to tell your own mama. That's that- a problem. This memoir is going to be epic, and I'm already thinking, how are we going to promote this podcast uh, when we put this out? Because this is bombshell. Okay. Well, that's my that's my experience. And maybe her experience is something different. Um, I would say they're probably going to have a different story. Like, oh, we weren't feeling well. Sure. Oh, we didn't allow anybody there that day. No, no, of but, course. Right. Of course. It could have been a misunderstanding. It absolutely could have been. My Okay, well, let and me I'm, let me I'm let me state you. the facts. Like, let me I'm, go back to the fact. The fact is, think I'm doubting your story. I went there to, yeah. to stay. <clears throat> I never went in Grey Gardens. 
And you clearly okay. have the text message from Perry. I, I, and I don't yeah. want to be like questioning your experience at all. I, yeah. It's absolutely true. I'm just thinking to myself, this can't really be true. I still, this is where people think hashtag Sarah's so white. It just blows my mind. No, no, no. Sarah's so hopeful. Sarah's so hopeful <laughs> to see the good in people. Sarah's so hopeful that, you I know, do. we're all so evolved. And, and I want that as well. But see, the difference between me and a lot of other people, see, I've had the experiences to be around those people mm-hmm. that think that they're whatever, whether it's politically financially, you you know, I've been on those jets, I've been on their yachts, I've been around in those, you know, and I can come back with the, with the story, with the, what had had happened was, and you know, the story is, can be very racist. That what had had happened was that. Okay. Yeah. If you went in Grey Gardens, I went in Grey Gardens. And I don't think you've ever been in Grey Gardens. I was in the driveway. I got the pictures to prove it. I don't even know where the fuck the house is. but <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, I'll drive Anyway, it's on the market. If you want to buy it, it's for sale right now. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you are right. You, you have definitely traveled with a certain group that I'm sure you experience a lot of racism. And I'm sure that people listening to this are going to be absolutely able to relate to that. So story. I'm bringing that to you as just to say, you know, we all have to work on ourselves and I believe that if I had a conversation with her now see I don't want the reason why I never had a conversation with her felt because I don't want anything from her Sure. Do you know? Yeah. Like, I'm Paul Wharton. I'm my own man. Listen, yeah. God bless you, darling. Well, I don't think, I mean, re, okay, I don't even know, Perry. I, I don't know these people at all. But I would say if that experience happened to me, like, I don't know. I mean, I would wish Perry well, but I'm not sure I would even really be friends. I don't know. Maybe no, that's she, a stretch. But. She's a great, great, great friend, and she got caught up in the mix of that. And I'm sure that they're... And they're not together anymore? Is they're not together anymore. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, well, that says a lot. Yeah, yeah okay. They're not okay, together gotcha. anymore. Well, that was a story. Hey, well. Okay, well, uh, I was going to tell you about my friend. <laughs> oh, what happened What happened in your life? <laughs> okay, well, let me, let me dig here. Um, this is a real-life problem compared mm-hmm. to that. Uh, okay, let's talk about so, it. So... I have a good girlfriend. I don't know if you've actually met her yet or not. She is really, really sweet. But I would say she is, um, she can be a lot, a lot, like a major personality. She can tend to be a little bit bossy. Um, and she's like an acquired taste, right? Because she sort of comes into a situation, she wants to run it her way, and she, she'll do that. And so a lot of people don't get on with her well. But she, I just saw her on, on Friday. We went for a walk together, and she was so upset. And I, I don't even, I didn't even know what advice to give her about this. So she She's had some girlfriends that she's been friends with who live down in Woodbridge, Virginia for years and years. And one of them is getting married, probably like four or five years. And she threw the woman a bachelorette party last July down in Dewey Beach. They all went. They had a crazy time. So in the mail, she gets a handwritten note from this woman that basically says, you know, so-and-so. Some people are meant to come into your life and other people are also meant to leave your life. And you're probably wondering why you haven't received a wedding invitation a month and a half out from the wedding. But Mike, my fiance, and I have decided that we are not inviting you um, because of hmm. uh, various things that have happened in the past. And we just feel like it would be better if we were no longer friends and we separated and parted ways right here. Okay. I wish you all the best, you know, Kay. And I'm like, and she is so distraught about this because not only that, this K woman ends up blocking her phone number. So when she goes to call to have a conversation. Well, that's not fair. Okay. So she keeps saying to me, I want to have a face-to-face conversation. I want to have a phone conversation or a face-to-face conversation with her. And I, I said to my girlfriend, I said, I don't think you can. I, 
I know you want that, but this woman has blocked you and has written you a handwritten 19, you know, 98 letter mm-hmm. in the mail. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to either write her back via mail and say what you want to say, or you have to deal with it within yourself and let this friendship go. But, but she what does is not she want fighting to for? Your friend. She is fighting for an explanation. And okay. I sat there and said to her, you have got to, there's got to be a reason. Did you guys get really drunk and this chick almost cheated on her man and Dewey? Did you take over the conversation and, you know, boss them around or something? And now they kind of don't want that at the wedding. She claims no. You know, she says the only thing they've ever complained about over the years is she will go out and then she'll usually get drunk and leaves and goes and hooks up with the guy. And she hmm. usually won't text them till like hours later. And they worry about her safety. That's a problem. Okay, do you think, and do you think that that justifies... Maybe like, they don't how, want to move into their, their lives as adults, as married people, with those types of friends that are hooking up with guys, having them, leaving them hanging, you know, they're worried about the girl's safety, and then it's just kind of like, God, we're about to be married, maybe we're thinking about kids, why do we want to have to deal with that dead weight? So do you think that's true? Like, if you, would you be pissed, like, if you and I went out and then I just, like, got drunk... And like I mean, out, repeatedly, never if it was like all the time, sure. Okay, it is kind of all the time for her. <laughs> That's it's a problem. weekend. Wow. You think there's anything you can. Okay, go ahead. Look. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Tell it. Well, okay, about your friend. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it would be Say nice it. if she could get her an answer to that. It would be nice. But, you know. I don't know what she's fighting for because, and I think she knows the reason why. Um, I oh, have a friend, saying. my friend Irwin. You know Irwin Gomez? Yes. Is that I the jeweler? His, no, he's design? a makeup artist. I go um. to his salon to get my hair done. He has a girlfriend um, named, let's just call her S. Okay? okay. So S is his friend and my other friend Marco who lived in Seattle. That's their friend. Okay. It's S, this girl S. She's laughing all the time. <laughs> Like all the fucking time. I'm like, bitch, why is it so funny? All the time you're laughing. Okay. So I'm walking down 14th Street one day. S is their friend that I kind of hang out with through them. And I enjoy her and all her laughter and all that. People that laugh all the time, I'm just kind of like, what the fuck are you laughing at? Like, when is it really funny? Yeah. Like, how, how will I know when it's really funny and when you're just laughing? Anyway, so I'm walking down 14th Street and S grabs my arm and says, oh my God, I just met this guy at the last bar. Please, please, please come into Barcelona and have a drink with us. I don't really know him, but I want to hang out with him, but I don't really know him, but I'm not sure. I said, girl, I am so tired. I do not feel like going to Barcelona right now. I'm carrying this thing home. I got the latest thing down. (laughs) It was like that, okay? Yeah. No, please, please just come in. Mind you, I'm doing this because it's a friend of a friend. I go into Barcelona where I don't want to socialize, but I go in. I'm standing up there. I, we all order a drink. I order a drink. They excuse themselves to go outside and smoke a cigarette. I drink my drink. Sure. I'm looking for this bitch. <laughs> 30 minutes passes. She does not come back in. I walk outside. You must have been pissed. This bitch is gone. She asked me to go into Barcelona with her to protect her from the guy she just met. And then she went outside to smoke a cigarette and left. This sounds like my girlfriend, yeah. Do you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. this kind of like, so what I'm saying in terms of your friend is don't pull me into your shit and then inconvenience my life. Yeah. You got me and my man, or your friend and her man, sitting up all night long waiting to hear from you. She looks crazy to her man. Right. Because he's like, why are you bringing this juvenile shit into my life? Like, yeah. we're grown. 
we're about to be married here. So I told my friends, don't bring that bitch around me anymore. <laughs> like, you know, it was just kind of like, I'm not dealing with her. And they just thought it was so funny. And now Irwin has fallen out with S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. And I said to him, oh, it wasn't, it was just, you know, all shits and giggles. And it was me talking about she left me standing at the bar. They thought that shit was so funny. But no, you can't That's a huge waste of your time. other yeah. people You're into right. your life and You're then right. be like, oh, well, what's the problem? I mean, and how I did it really affect you? I think you're right. I think ultimately when she really thinks about it, she knows the reason that they sent this letter. And then another one of the girlfriends in her friend group of, this, of these like four girls has now mailed her another letter, which she does not want to open until I'm with her because she's so upset. Oh, and I said, well, I'm gone for vacation, so mm-hmm. I'll see you in 10 days and we can open it. Mm. Otherwise, just open it. But you're right. And I feel like, you know what? I would write her back. I think you need to do some soul searching. And I would write myself a letter. That's a good idea. I would write myself a letter about all the things I wanted to say, and I would read it. And I would think to myself, because you can't fool yourself, is this really honest? Mm. She'll come up with the reason. She already knows her. We know the reason. We just talked about it. (laughs) She makes her issues their issues, and they don't want to deal with that anymore. They're just just trying to move on. What do you think about this? So um, Cleveland Clinic, I was just checking this story. It's In fact, they're not going to hire smokers at all, period. So it's not even like, hey, if you're a smoker but you can't smoke between, like on your shift, even okay. on break. This is like tobacco is addictive, damaging, deadly, causing 450,000 deaths, one in every five each year in the U.S. from heart attacks, chronic lung disease, and cancers. So now as a healthcare institution, they have put it and made it a mission that they are no longer going to hire anybody who is a smoker. They've adopted a complete smoke-free campus in 2005. In 2007, they went further by deciding to no longer hire smokers, and that continues. Job candidates are told that the offer is subject to a nicotine-free urine test. You All can't right. even feel, fool them. So what do you think about that? And if a candidate tests positive for uh, nicotine, the offer is rescinded. He or she is offered a free tobacco uh, cessation program and then they may reapply in 90 days if that sounds harsh to some consider that cigarette smoking contains hundreds of chemicals and compounds that are toxic and at least 69 that cause cancer so can the cigarette smoke that's on your clothes it's in your hair that's you know the fibers can that be passed along to the patients that are susceptible to infection and oh that's a great question it doesn't go on to talk about that well you know what i can kind of see how that could be and I'm not mad at them for that. Wow. Um, no, I just wondered. I mean, because I'm with you. I feel like I see a lot of sm- like nurses that smoke. And I don't know. I guess it's always a personal choice, I feel like. But it, maybe you're right. Maybe it does. Maybe if you smoke and then that chemical is passed on to you, even because obviously secondhand smoke but is terrible. like having a lawyer that sells drugs or something like that? Like, oh, that's a do you know point. what I mean? Like yeah. having a lawyer that breaks the law perpetually. So if you are in the business of healthcare. And your whole job is to get people well that really need you. And yet, no matter how many years it's been since the Surgeon General has been saying how damaging um, cigarette smoke is to all of us, and we all know the dangers at this point, and you still keep smoking. So it's like having a lawyer that breaks the law right in front of your face. I guess that's a good example. Although, you know, it's not illegal to smoke. That would be the only, you know what I mean? No, but I mean, someone that holds up the law, that's their business, like, you know, as an officer of the law. Right. And you come to them and they're just like always breaking the law. So someone that is a healthcare professional, someone that is supposed to help, you know, lift your help, your health completely, and then they're smoking. Do you think it's a slippery slope, though, in the sense mm-hmm. of, you know, would you go see an overweight doctor? 
Uh, I would. Yeah, if he was good. Yeah. But then it's I like, guess so, because I was about to say, you know, I was about to say, if he was going to save my life, shit, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess. Then I just wonder, is it a slippery slope where, like, then they start to say, well, we're only going to hire people with certain BMIs. Or, right. You know what I mean? And I think that's, like, you know, people have food issues for many reasons. I don't know. Well, I mean, my thing is, if, it, if the secondary smoke is going to affect someone else negatively that is in need, of, that is there, that is sick, that yeah. is susceptible, then I understand it. If you can make smoke just about your personal thing and it's never going to involve anyone else, then I'm like, I'm not for it. I don't know. It's so interesting. I wonder, I mean, I don't, I don't smoke anymore. I feel like the last time, I can't even remember when I like drunk smoked. Did you ever used to be a drunk smoker? I'm, yeah, I drunk smoke now every now and again. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Don't you hate it? Like, Actually, still... when I say now, it's probably been like six months. But, I mean, I still think that there's like this one pack of cigarettes in my closet. Oh, yeah? Just in case I'm having one of those nights where I just want to go out and, like, you know. Well, you're not yeah. alone. And, I mean, I feel like Gwyneth Paltrow came out and said, like, she enjoys having one cigarette every week. Just wonder if you could smoke in moderation because you just wonder where it will stop. I mean, like, if Cleveland Clinic has a doctor that has five drinks a night, I mean, is that too much? You know? Hey, there you go. You're getting into something else now. <laughs> okay. Because you can hide that stuff, though. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, we've been talking a lot about this story with the five white men, and I, I'm just so curious to hear what your thoughts are on this. Um, but five white men are suing um, Sean Combs uh, for his network and saying that essentially Sean Combs wanted to do TV shows, podcasts, etc. Um, these guys all, by the way, came from working at either like Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, Night Show were writers and producers, but they say they were all fired and replaced by African-Americans uh, who took their jobs. Do you think reverse discrimination really exists? I think discrimination exists, and I don't know that in this case, I do not know, I repeat, I do not know that in this case, this was actually discrimination based on their race. My experience. Yes, say it, of course. And I think, and look, there's a, this is by ATTN. They, they did this article and they also gone, to, they go on to talk to a psychologist who says that reverse discrimination isn't real. Okay. Um, and the reverse psychologist says, uh, all, the, uh, all the men are white, by the way, older than 39, and formerly worked, sorry, on the Howard Stern show. They okay. claim that they were fired because they were repeatedly mocked for misunderstanding the culture that Revolt executives were condescending and rude to the production team. Revolt treated them worse than other employees who were younger and African-American, according to the suit. The men also complained about the lack of punctuality of guests and that frequent racial discussions on they the show. They tried it. Made them uncomfortable. They tried it. That's too much. <laughs> they didn't have to get to go down that road. See, you know, I was listening to them for a second. No, but you know, I think you hit on something there. They didn't understand the culture of revolt, right? So if you're a white straight man from uh, the Jimmy Colbert show okay. or whatever, the Stephen Colbert show. Sure. Uh, you know, how do you know that you're going to be good at producing content that is for the African-American community and for young African Americans. I mean that's a good that's a good question. You'd have to have Some are and some are not, okay? Like for instance, I was working with these guys on a show last year for Logo. You remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We had it in the bag. It was so close I could taste it, all right? I know. I now, hear you. So I was one of the guys, and the show um, revolved around me going back to New York and moving back to Harlem, the first neighborhood I lived in when I was in New York. 
and I have these other guys. Well, anyway, they never showed me the tape before they took it back to Logo. And I said, listen, I want to give you some script notes. I want to give you some notes. You know, I'm a producer, too. No, 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 no. We got it. Now, it is like a bunch of white straight men and, <laughs> and women, okay? This is a show about a whole bunch of black gay guys in Harlem. You better show me the damn tape, okay, before you send this to anybody. Welcome to the world of producing, I feel like, yes. Three weeks ago, they send me the tape. They send me the tape. They hadn't shown me the tape. The How show go? got passed over, you know, for another show, for the show that they have now about Fire Island. I'm watching this thing. I look great, by the way. No, I, I'm like, on. We want to see it, oh, too. Oh, it's super good. But there is a scene with these other guys they're, well, two guys and one girl, and they're at this guy's apartment, and they're having cocktails before they go out. He's supposed to be so fabulous. They are drinking cocktails out of three mismatched coffee mugs. Okay? They didn't have no ice. Wasn't no whole bar set. I mean, you're trying to sell a show about some queens. You got to get some queens. You know, the real beat queens that just got the whole set. You know, you come to my house, you could have about 30, 40 different cocktail glasses. I'm just saying, you know, it's like Housewives. Yes. Imagine going into a, a Housewives show. You know how they dog Karen out when her kitchen cabinets looked old. Oh, my God. That was like the whole... I mean, the poor woman is like completely moved out of her home so she can like gut the house and redecorate. Like, I feel so bad for her. Hasn't she? Like, didn't she like move out and she's redoing her whole kitchen or something and trying to like no, rent? No, she sold that house. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I don't have this shit right. <laughs> no, but you know what? If those yes. guys had so... The, the bottom line is they were given the opportunity yeah. by Logo, yeah. a Viacom network that is... The show was... For the LGBTQ community. But they're not LGBTQ. They're not LGBTQ. It was about mostly gay black men in Harlem. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how to tell that story. Fabulous producers. Amazing guys. The first guy that hired me on MTV Made, and we did that with the same guy. Wonderful. But right. they didn't know how to tell that particular story. I feel like that's radio. I mean, that's like mm -hmm. what we faced at 107.3 when they tried to be a top 40 station, and then they had a program director who was 71 years old. It was right. like, it was like right. you're not. I mean, if that's the boss, this guy is not on the pulse right. of what 18 to 34-year-old men and women want to hear. Mm -hmm. But that's completely radio, just completely run by white guys. Um, ATT, and nothing against white men, but I'm just saying, like, you've got to be able to be, you know, I think you have to be aware of your, oh boy, I'll say it, like your white privilege or your whiteness, okay. you know? And you know what? No you can one... say that. See, yeah. there's certain things I can say that you can't say. I call him the Nozempic Ben on Ozempic doctor. I'm talking about Dr. Applin and his wife who founded My Optimal Body. I am so happy about this. These are the first mindful eating-based doctors I have ever partnered with. They see patients nationwide, and they are seeing more patients who have been on Ozempic, and Ozempic has failed for them. What makes My Optimal Body so unique, and why am I endorsing them? It's because Dr. Applin actually looks at food additives, your, your addiction to food, your mental health. They do a whole look at you, including your gut health. Many of Dr. Applin's patients are working out, restricting their diets, and still gaining weight. Why is that? Because something's going on in your body and with your mind. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. Be sure to tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment, plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. Again, that's MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. 
Right. That's something right. that you can say. Oh, well, I could say white privilege too because I can just say that. <laughs> you know, because I can do what the fuck I want. I dare a bitch. I won't be dropping the N word on this podcast. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's one I will avoid. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, yeah, you can't. Could you? You recognize it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's the same thing. Like, I love, like, I would pr love to produce a show about black women, but, I mean, I'd have a producer on the show that was black, a black woman, because mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, you don't live that. It is, like, what you live, and you can be a part of it, but you got to bring in other people. Do you ever feel white privilege just throughout your daily comings and goings? Just oh, yeah. I didn't get what it was, because, mm -hmm. actually, I'll be really honest. When I first started hearing white the words white privilege and, like, all these articles that were, like, how to check your white privilege and all this stuff, at first, and I feel like maybe I'm speaking for a lot of white people, but I think when I first heard that, I was like, you know, I really, I really resent that statement because I grew up poor. My parents, the first house I ever lived in had no heat. It was like heated by a wood stove in rural Maine. And in the morning, sometimes when you would wake up, it was so cold, there was frost on the walls inside. You know, my dad ran a grocery store. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Like, they didn't have... Any money, you know, and they worked their way up and, you know, eventually did create a middle class lifestyle for themselves. So at first when I hear that, I was like very much like, well, how do you know what my life experience sure. is? But when people over time, and I'm always open to feedback, have explained it to me, and it's kind of like um, at a work environment, right? We both worked in many office mm -hmm. environments. And still a lot of broadcasting, whether it's TV or radio, is run by mostly white guys, white executives. And so somebody said to me, they were like, you know, you should just start observing how white management treats white women. Uh, white men, black men, Asian men, Asian women, black women. Just mm -hmm. see kind of what it is. And it's definitely there. I mean, it's definitely there. There is absolutely, I think, a treatment, um, at least in the work environments that I've been in, of, um, I don't know if a lot of black women make white older white men uncomfortable mm -hmm. or what it is, but there is definitely, I think, a... Yes, I can see the hierarchy, the hierarchy you know? Sure. Like, I'm lower on the totem pole than the, a white guy in the office, but definitely there's like a hierarchy for women sure and i can see how like i can see how african-american women make less money I, i'm not agreeing with it but i see how i've witnessed that in a newsroom okay. in an, or in a environment you know radio so that's how i began to understand it and i think the world looks at you differently right I mean, yeah. you know, I don't get, I could walk in, and I'm not bragging about this, but I could walk into any store, almost any situation, and no one is ever going to follow me around thinking that I'm shoplifting. Right. Ever. Right. You know, it's just not going to happen. Well, you so know, I, I get now, and like I have a lot of girlfriends, and thank God, a lot of diverse friends like mm -hmm. you. I mean, it's been eye-opening today to hear your story. But I've gone out with my black girlfriends to clubs, and the way men treat them and what they say to them is so different than what they would say to me. Okay. Just, I mean, it's far more disrespectful. Yeah. Like, I would never, I mean, I can't think of the last time, like, someone, like, grabbed me out of nowhere. But I have I have a gorgeous black friend, and that will happen to her all the time. It's almost like people feel like they can. Mm, maybe that booty just right. <laughs> she does have a good booty. Maybe big old booty. Shit. Big old nasty booty. Oh, maybe if I had a big booty, do you Yeah, think they might grab would? up on that ass, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then, you know what? Maybe it's just my body type. Yeah, you had me until yeah. the club. Okay. <laughs> club is just neutral ground, neutral ground girl. You know? <laughs> Y'all oh was God, with you. you. you right over to so the club. Real. I was like, not the club. No. Mm -mm. 
No, she turns like, oh my God, they're being marginalized. No, that booty is just um, ultra right. I got to dress sexier when I go to the club. I think you're right. I do. I think I wear too much clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. Because yeah. you know me, I mean, I'm bad too for women because like I... Thank God. I've never had sexual trauma. So, you know, I go to a club. It's like, oh, fine. You want to grab yeah. my tits? Go for it. Yeah. You know, I don't mind. Personal space, please. I don't care. Well, I'm always I, trying to finger someone's booty hole oh my myself. <laughs> What's in there? I, I What's in there? Yes, exactly. In How there? does this feel? I know, right? Maybe. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what I, I, well, I do. I, I, and I'm bad. I, I touch people inappropriately, I feel like. You do? Well, I don't want to say that because this is probably going to come back to haunt me in about five years right. when we're really fucking right. on TV. Yeah. So. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know me. I'm like always like, I don't know. You know, I'd always be like hitting on people. Sure. I don't know. Well, sometimes I do think I, have a, I get a pass on that because I'm gay. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, I bet. So you, you think that, and then after the fact, sometimes I'm like, oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. Like, it's still a woman. And so, but they seem to enjoy it, so <laughs> knock on wood, no problem so far. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, just to end this story, this woman, Catherine uh, Kirkness, is a mental health counselor who spoke on this and has written on prejudice in the workplace about the concept of, quote, reverse racism. And she says, I do not believe that it's a thing. And most scholars would agree with that, she said. Kirkness uh, explained that racism is tied to positions of power in society. White men are still a dominant group in the U.S. in terms of wages and power in the workplace, particularly in media. It's not a thing because of history, she said. It could be a thing if history were reversed, if white people were in enslaved and treated badly sure but the whole thing about racism is about power and about privilege so there you go mm. you can take it up with her all so. right <laughs> a couple other stories we wanted to talk about too um yes the the horse the racehorse in south africa that's name was donald trump now has to rename itself to fake news okay now what not happened? a joke what it happened Oh, my God, this racehorse, uh, they say, also took on traits like Donald Trump. The horse made global headlines earlier this month for its bad behavior, and it had to be neutered. <laughs> oh, my God. In fact, they put out breaking news. President Trump gelded. Uh, Donald Trump's trainer told Racing Post that the horse's boorish behavior and questionable work ethic gave him no choice. <laughs> I love it. It was completely stubborn. I considered uh, blinkers and a tongue tie, but he was so unmanageable that I had no option but to geld him. Apparently, the behavior officials went away after the procedure. Now Donald Trump is dealing with an identity crisis. South Africa's National Horse Racing Authority called the horse's name problematic. So that's why they've had to change it to fake news. Wow. Um, and the NHA, the National Horse Association, has not approved the change yet, but the trainers are hopeful. Oh, my God, give him the name. No, I think that's hysterical. he's earned it. Yeah, he's earned it. He's I mean, come it. on. I also want to know why the hell I'm the only one getting uh, David Hasselhoff cruise notifications in my email. Now, walk me through this like I'm a five-year-old. Now, he got a, he signed on with the cruise line. What's going on? Do you ever listen to any of his music when he was like, when he was, no. um, oh, my God. Do you remember when he was, his daughter, he kind of, I mean, this isn't anything to make fun of, but he kind of had like an alcohol issue and his daughter taped him like eating a hamburger and it was yeah. like all over the place. Well, you know, he has a huge fan base nationwide. Like women love him. So now he's launched his own cruise where you can basically be with the Hoff. And you're going to be on a five days cruise. He's going to perform. There'll be various um, Baywatch themes. He has that many fans, huh? He has that many that fans. That would go all around the world with him on a cruise? The 64-year-old, yeah. He's going to take part fan in... cruise. Italy, Meet and Spain, greets. and France. Wow. Yeah, what do you think? Well, maybe we should go. Oh, my God. Well, 
I hope not, but no. maybe this gives us hope that we could have our own crews. I know. But what do you do with David Hasselhoff, though? You go and you watch him perform. Does he do stand-up? or? No, he sings. Need more. This is, um. oh, hold on. Let me find out. This is his video, his promotional <laughs> video of what he's having to offer. And um, we're going to be doing music from uh, Looking for Freedom mm -hmm. to Crazy for You to all the music that everyone in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland grew up with. To uh, to very American music, I did uh, Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway. He sounds like he's on Xanax. Um, oh uh, yeah, I did uh, Chicago. Billy Flynn. He looks All good though. Did song. you ever hear the song "Jump in My Car"? That was like a big hit of his. Mm -mm. <laughs> was Kid in the video? Oh my God. Served dinner with that set and. Look, he's going to have dinner. Oh, my romantic. God. This is putting me to sleep. This is terrible. Oh, God. What, the room is spinning. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I just want to know why the hell I'm getting all these notifications. How did I get on that list? It's probably some search you did. Yeah, and then I'm automatically on David Hasselhoff's list. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so I'm going to unsearch Some Knight Rider that. porn you were looking at. <laughs> <laughs> right. Knight Rider. I didn't say Knight Rider. I said Black Cop. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh god. You think it's um do you think it's like cruel to put glued bows in your kids' hair if the glue is just made of like agave sugar? No, it's not cruel. Did you see that? People need to get out of other parents' businesses. So you thought it was fine? Oh here's business. You have songs out that rival this. What? Your music is better than this. Uh, thanks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? This is. I mean, you know, if I listen to this long enough, I can get into it. You could. Sure. Couple I wonder if we could tequilas. be. Yeah. I wonder if we could be his opening act. Uh, hey, I'm down. A cruise in Italy, Spain, and France. Sign me <laughs> up. Shit. Anyway, that's his song. Um. Yeah. Paul Warren's got way better hits than this. Um. <laughs> anyway, well, a mom put up a a. Basically, a video that was causing debate amongst its viewers that had ideas where you could make glue from agave and water so it won't harm your baby, but you could put adorable bows in your baby's hair so people can tell if it's a girl or a boy. What do I you think, think it's fine. I think it's fine. It's completely their business. People can raise their kids the way they want to raise their kids. People give their kids McDonald's, okay? They yeah, it's true. Nothing's cooler than that. And crap and candy and shit. And so if you want to put a little agave in your kid's hair and then rinse it out with some baby shampoo, that is your prerogative. Why do you think then that people jump on the bandwagon so much? Like, I wouldn't even have cared about this story. But then, you know, it's just been shared so many times. I'm like, well, I'd well, love to know Paul's opinion. Like, why do you think people get on the... Well, it's just so easy to share your opinion and, and be heard these days because uh, of social media. True. So it's kind of like, if people would run their lives... You know, with as much kind of drive and focus as they do other people's. Yeah, uh, right. You know, they'd be in a much better place. Oh, my God, it's so they true. They wouldn't have as much, as much time to, you know, put their opinion on everybody else. It's so true. I'm uh, with you. I feel like it's a non-story. You want to hit one more story before we talk podcast one and then we, uh, we talk um, truck? Well, what do you think of, I mean, I do feel like we have, uh, we've covered all the race grounds, so I don't know if we want to talk Sean Spicer, Joe Walsh, and Bill O'Reilly. Their their, your hatred for black women is showing. It was a rough week. It was a rough, it was week, a rough and, week, and as they say in my community, they towed a draws. Okay? You ever heard that term? No. Tow your draw. Oh, you tow your damn draws. What's that mean? That means you came here and acted a straight up fool. <laughs> You tow your, your damn draws. Like, you know, your draws, like your underwear. Yes. Like, they just tow their draws. 
I just feel like this is another non-story because is anyone surprised that Sean Spicer has a problem with women or Bill O'Reilly? I mean, come on. Well, I know April Ryan, and I just thought, you know, to tell anyone when you really look at it over again, because I watched it several yeah, times. Yeah, what do you think? I actually have to say, I kind of looked at it, and I was like, I don't know if he's, don't you think he's an asshole to everybody? Or do you think it was a race thing? I don't know. But you can't be an asshole to everybody. Just because you're an equal opportunity asshole doesn't mean it's okay for you to be an asshole. So mm-hmm. at some point, someone's got to say, hey, 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 you know, slow yeah. your roll and back up. And I just think that that was compounded by what Bill O'Reilly said about Maxine Waters and her James Brown wig. First of all, to call a woman out that has been working that hard on the right side of history for as long as Maxine Waters has, and to even say that she's wearing a wig you're out of line. Right. But to compare her to James Brown, oh, I couldn't hear anything she was saying because I was fixated on this James Brown wig. Oh, fuck yourself. Oh, fuck yourself. If somebody said that about his wife, he'd be ready to tear down the damn house. Oh, my God. Good point. Oh, I like your opinions on all this. Oh, get some of my goddamn nerves. <laughs> oh, ugly asshole. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you think? You saw it. I saw the the April Ryan video and I thought I just think Sean Spicer's a dick. Yeah. Like he's a dick to any everyone. Did I think it was because you know? I mean, I think he doesn't like anybody that challenges him. You know, I agree with that. Um, and then you know he called on April Ryan first thing the next day and seemed to kind of backtrack a little bit. He had bit. to. He had to. Yeah. It was like get this shit. Do not even let this go on another day. I mean, I just think they're, you know, he's spinning, they spin all kinds of shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I did think that the comment that Bill O'Reilly made about Maxine Waters was really terrible because she, you're right. I mean, she's a real patriot and has done a lot for this country and for people. So, I mean, but I'm not, again, surprised. that Her clapback was supreme. What did she say back? Oh, God, you just... Google it. It's fantastic. She said she will not be intimidated. She will not be put down. And hashtag black women at work. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. She did. No, she got him completely together. Oh, yeah, please. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just feel like... So the race thing is like out of control this week. We're in Washington. (laughs) This is a very contentious city. And I'm just going to tell you that I am so glad that I am a gay black man sitting up here with you, a questionable white woman. (laughs) (laughs) A questioning white woman. You're cute. I'm the I'm the G in the LGBT. Sometimes I'm the B too, but anyway, okay. I'm mostly the G. Okay. Sometimes wait. the B. I'm not T. What's the G stand for? Queer. The G is gay. Gay. Lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, questioning. Oh, is questioning. Key. Yes, that's, that's it. you. That's the questioning. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. Call me questioning. Yes, I know. Can we get any vouchers for this now that she's a part of the LGBTQ community as well? Um, before we hit the truck interview, we have to leave you with this. So, podcast one. Um, I think the, the Hey Fresh podcast has been on with them about seven or eight months. Uh, starting. Uh, this week, we are moving to Podomatic, SoundCloud, iTunes, and we're coming off of Podcast One. So, you know, I, I think like everybody knows, and, and you know this about Podcast One, Paul, they really focus on um, the major, major players on that network. Mm-hmm. So Adam Carolla has a big show, Brandy Glanville, um, Heather Dubrow, mm-hmm. and it's just been really hard. I think we both kind of came to a mutual decision with Podcast One and us. It's been hard to get extra promotion and very limiting on where they put us out because you only can be on Podcast One and iTunes. Sure. Them. And as you know, this show is growing yes. and it's just taken on another amazing feat. So we've got some really cool and hopefully one big, oh my God, Paul and I are like praying. I know. One major 
surprise in the works. Um, but in order to kind of move forward, I think we needed to come off of that network. Mm-hmm. So that is happening. So Podomatic is where the Hey for H podcast started, okay. um, which is very easily accessible. And SoundCloud probably won't be up for another week. But you'll be able to download this on Podomatic. So if you had a uh, Podcast One subscription or if you downloaded the app, we're not going to be on anymore. You can undownload or if you really like some of the other shows, stick with it. There are friends. We can always go back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are going to be doing Podomatic, SoundCloud, iTunes. Most of you guys download us on iTunes, and then we're going to be heading on Google Play, which is much friendlier for our Android friends. So just be looking out for that. You'll see a new link this week. Perfect. I love growth. I know. Yes. Ding, thank, ding, you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> All right, you guys. We'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Our truck sexpert interview is up next. Are you guys there? We're finally here. Yay! Yay. And Katie. Kate. <laughs> Hi. Oh. Hi, Kate. How you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Great. Little recap. Episode 161 was the last time that you were on truck, and you were super brave and open, and you were talking about how you're in your early 30s, and it just really kind of hit you this year that you've never had an orgasm, and so you really wanted to explore more of, like, why and how. Yes, definitely. So I I was focusing on 2017 on me i felt like i just always gave myself to other people and so i wanted to focus on my mental physical and emotional self and my son was like and sexuality like you never put that into the equation i was like what do you mean by that and and so it led to the bigger discussion that we had on that last episode and so yeah now i'm on this exploration to understand that mind body soul and sexuality is all connected you know So tell us where you're at, along with you, Katie, because what the audience is just learning is that, Truck, you and Katie have actually spoken. And so we're dying to hear an update, um, and either one of you can kind of go from there. But tell us a little bit more about this, like why you haven't had the O, have you had it yet? Give us a little detail about your your conversation of what you can share. I mean, it's funny because even within talking to you right now, I feel like such levels of shame or kinkiness to even be talking about it but but it it shouldn't be that way and it's so important to be able to have others who feel that way know that this is a very normal topic for a 30 year old all the fucking time if anything a little too late So, Katie. And also, like, we're, we're never really taught how to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Most of us just have formative experiences where we're having open and honest conversations about what is sex and what, what does that actually mean for me. So it's completely normal to feel, like, kind of embarrassed or shamey about it because we're, we're taught to feel that way. And, Katie, tell us. Yeah, and when... Oh, uh, sorry, truck. I was just going to ask Katie. I was going to say, you know, you're learning like it's it's all connected. It's mental. It's physical. So, Katie, tell us um, in general, why is it so hard? And, and so many women, because it's funny, I'm so proud of truck, but I, I can't tell you how many other friends and friends of friends, women that I have, who also are in the same boat, who have never had an orgasm. Yeah, it's not like a, a, a unique thing. Like, I know I know people, too, and though I'm younger, like, I still know people that haven't because they do 
feel nervous or they do have a block or they're not sure what it is, but they just like haven't gotten it yet. So, Katie, what are some reasons well, why? Well, actually, like that is actually a perfect place to start because it's also we want to have an orgasm and we have these ideas of what that would be mostly like from movies, from pornography, from like things that we've read, but it's like, what actually is an orgasm and how do you know that you've had it? Um, yeah. And essentially it's like, no, and like, it's kind of like, uh, that felt good. Was that an orgasm? Was it supposed to like kind of melt my face off? Like, well, what am yeah, I expecting? What am I looking for here? The reason I'm laughing is because I always am like, I think that was an orgasm. And people are like, you think? Then it's not. And I'm like, it felt good. And I was shaking. Is that an orgasm? But I know, I can feel there's no relief. I feel, like, frustrated. Okay, so there isn't, like, that that relief, that steady at the end of it. No, not at all. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. So, I mean, orgasms can look like a lot of different things. Like, they can be that really, like, loud headboard shaking, like, oh, my God, like, complete spazzing out with pleasure. But they can also be much quieter. They can be subtler. Um, Orgasms can also be different based on, like, different types of stimulation. So if you're doing just internal stuff or just external stuff, the way an orgasm presents itself could actually be quite different. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Okay. I, I know. That's See, that's the thing. I don't even know how many different types of orgasms I've had. I gotta. There's so much more to this. Um, so, Katie, can you tell us like a little bit about what are some mental blocks that you've seen, just generally, not specific to truck necessarily, but like what are some mental blocks mm-hmm. that, that people have had that really prevent them from having that breakthrough? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, that can be, there's, I can speak generally about that. And then also acknowledging that like individuals have their own unique experiences. So like you could have a hard time because your high school boyfriend like said that he didn't like your pleasure noises. And then that can be a hang up that you have. It can be really based on feedback you've gotten from sexual partners in the past, um, you know, just anything that would kind of stick with you and your identity as a sexual being. Mm. Um, speaking more generally, um, you know, we live in a pretty sex-negative culture. Like, we are supposed to be able to kind of embody that lady in the street, but a freak in the bed kind of thing. And it's, <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of confusing messages about sexual identity. So. You know, it can be hard to release into pleasure because you feel like, you know, you've got shame, you've got maybe religious guilt or family guilt that's kind of hanging on your sexuality. yeah. So what are, what are you doing like right now? So fast forward to now. What are some of the things, Truck, you can share that Katie um, gave you as ways to start overcoming that and um, being able to experience that joy? Um, I don't remember everything that we talked about, so we didn't get into like concrete solutions like that. I don't think. I think we were talking more generally, but you know, we can There's, we can have that yeah, conversation now too. There was one thing that I did bring up because someone was like, "Hey, have you tried like tantra or tantric?" Um, 
and and I was definitely trying, I was like starting to read up about it and starting to learn more about what that meant. And I think we kind of talked about that. Yeah, so basically, Tantra is really wonderful. Um, I think when people imagine it, there's like this, this image that, oh, it's like I have to have sex for six hours or it has to be this marathon type of thing. But essentially, like, Tantric sex is uh, basically mindful sex. It's about, you know, circulating sexual energy. Like, you can, you can have tantric sex alone. You, there's, like, masturbation techniques. You can use to have tantric sex by yourself. But also, uh, if you're a what partner, then it's about, like, circulating energy between the two of you and just being really mindful and present in the body and the experience. Wow. Oh, my That's God. That's fucking awesome. I can't believe you can have sex with yourself. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, how do we do that? Like, what are some tips for that? Actually, I do want to talk about that because I feel like if I knew my body better, then I could tell a partner how to pleasure me. So oh, yeah, I sure. should. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of where we should start with this. Talk me to learn how to have sex with herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I can be this girl at parties where I'm like, everybody should be masturbating and gay masturbation. Like, I can somehow always turn it to, to that topic. Hell yeah, so I'm that I'm girl very too. Happy that arrived here. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, like, being able to masturbate, being able to know your body, and it's like, I've been working with people and teaching them how to masturbate, like, I realize, you know, some people have a lot of experience, and some people have never, like, touched themselves, they've never, like, I always recommend to people, like, get a mirror and, you know, give yourself a window of time and actually, like, get curious about what your body looks like. Um, and then kind of after you have that visual cue and it's like, okay, I'm touching myself here. Okay, that feels like this. And you can start to play with different like variable pressures, different objects, um, different types of lubricant, uh, different uh, like touch patterns with a toy or your fingers. There's so many different ways you can experience your body and it's a lot of fun. And then you get to take that information and potentially share it with another partner. But I like masturbation because it's very much like that ownership of your own pleasure. I think it can be really sexually empowering and also helpful for other relationships. So, Truck, what step are you on right now? Have you, have you had the orgasm? Uh, are you still self-exploring? Still self-exploring. So the funny thing is the question of like self-love has definitely come up and it's really, I don't want to say sad, but I normally play on the outside because that's what I like. But the fact that I even could be like, when I'm, it might be TMI, but if I'm inside, I feel like there's way too many textures and <laughs> feelings and bumps and that's, like, I'm so uncomfortable. That. Like, is this really me? Is this an alien? What's going on? <laughs> and then I just like, okay, that's turned off. I'm, I'm gonna go do work now. <laughs> like whatever it is. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so I think when you're when you're that. going inside of yourself, you're feeling like uncomfortable and kind of awkward about it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, when you're when you're doing the external stuff, like, is there a threshold where you're like, this is fun, and then it becomes awkward for you? Do you do you have a sense of when that happens for you? Um, it yeah, it's definitely fun, and then there gets to a point where it's like frustrating, like. Like I get to that that like 
plateau feeling and it's like where's that release and then I just like okay my fingers are gonna fall off now I'm, I think I'm gonna stop <laughs> okay got you so what so my sister bought me a toy <laughs> that's a good sister if I've I ever heard one <laughs> yes <laughs> I will say that, like, entering into any sexual situation, like, having an expectation or a feeling of pressure to have an orgasm can kind of rob you of the orgasm because there's that pressure on it. So when people are going into sexual situations, whether it's masturbation with a partner, with lots of partners, just kind of being open to whatever might happen, like, you may end up having an orgasm and that's great, but if the orgasm doesn't happen, there's still a lot of pleasure, there's a lot of things there that are still wonderful and worth connecting with and don't make the experience kind of not worthwhile. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm focused on the destination and not the journey. And I'm just like, well, you know, because it seems like the guys are just getting there. They, they get to their destination really fast. And I'm just like, when do I get there? When's my turn? Let's go. So, you guys, yeah, I, I think, like, male arousal takes, like, three to five minutes. And for women, it's, like, the starting point is, like, 20 minutes. So, we're just very fundamentally different that way. That's wow. good to know. <laughs> Sarah's face was just literally astonished. I've never seen somebody more surprised. 20 minutes. I'm sort of a more, I don't know, efficient in all regards like all areas, but but no, really? each their own. <laughs> yeah. yeah, truck. I've got to say, I mean, I feel like I can orgasm within a couple minutes. But I've, you know, I, I I totally love this topic because I have hangups in other areas of my life, and I can definitely, I really appreciate how Katie was saying that it truly is like mindfulness, almost like a mindful orgasm and mindful, you know, relationships and mindful sex, and that's really what it is. And I, I've. As you guys know, I preach about mindfulness all the time. So I've used that in other areas. Um, so I'm so fascinated by this. And I, I want to keep checking in with you, Truck, on your journey. And Katie, um, would you be willing to put your info out there? I know the type of work you do is so fascinating. And people do have so people many hangouts. <laughs> yeah, they do. They really need to be able to express themselves. So where can people find you, Katie? Um, so I'm on Psychology Today. It's Katie Shepard. Um, I'm in the process of developing my website, but I'm picky, so I'm I'm waiting for it to be perfect before I, I launch that. But you can find me on Psychology Today. It's Katie Shepard. Awesome. Ladies, we're going to check in with you again. Truck, thank you so much. We can't wait. And, you know, anything we can do to help. If you want to have the orgasm on the podcast, you want us to help in any way, <laughs> we're there. <laughs> We could Facebook live it. What's the phrase that you hear every day? Hey, phrase. What's the phrase that you hear every day?